Thanks for checking out our weekly podcast. Our mission at Grace is to help people worship God, connect to others, and serve both. We hope that you'll be blessed and encouraged by this week's message. For more information about Grace, you can follow us on Facebook or check out our website at experiencegrace.church. All right, well, if you have your Bibles with you, it'll be in Ephesians chapter 4. It's good to see everyone here today. It was a couple of weeks ago that at the end of the service, I was standing outside where that photo op is right now, and um, one of the newer guys in the church, Jonathan Riggenbach, walked out the door and he looked at me and he said, two parts. And I laughed out loud because I, I, I knew exactly what he was getting to because that day we had went through uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and talked about seven different uh, spiritual gifts. And we did seven of them in 40 minutes or so. And when he said two parts, he was saying, you could have slowed down and put it into two different parts. And so I appreciated his candor, his willingness to share that with me because I know a lot of you are probably thinking it. But Today we are not going to do that. Uh, we are coming to the end of our, our series uh, that we've been calling this. We've been calling it Made New, and we're going through uh, chapter 4 of Ephesians, and we're winding down by coming to the last eight verses. And as you walk through the last eight verses of this chapter, we could do all of them today. Uh, because there are, there, there's a lot of similarities through all of the things that we're going to see here, but I think what we're going to do is break it down and just do uh, a one or maybe two of these at a time. We don't have uh, enough time this morning to review everything, of course, in verses 1 through 12, but just suffice it to say, or excuse me, 1 through 24, but just suffice it to say that uh, these verses show us what it looks like to be made new. It's the premise of what we see in 1 Corinthians where the Bible says, if any man is in Christ, if you have believed the gospel, then old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. The verses that we uh, looked at last week um, kind of made us look at what would maybe be called a, a wardrobe change. Uh, we just came out of our last um, basketball games of the season for the team that I get a, ch a chance to coach, and it was just a couple of games ago that one of the kids uh, came out there uh, to get warmed up, you know, when you go out there and you run through the circle and, and uh, do the layup lines and everything else, and uh, he came out and he had on the wrong color jersey. And when he came out with the wrong color jersey on, he said, Coach, do you mind if I go change? It's like, no, you can play with that one on. And everybody else said, yes, go change, right? You need to go out there and you need to have a, a wardrobe change, a change from green uh, to white. And that's what we, see, what we saw in the last few verses in Ephesians chapter 4. We talked about putting off the old man and putting on the new man. And so since we are in Christ we, and we are new creatures, the old man is, is not who we are anymore. It's like Mark was saying, I was a wretch, uh, but thank God that I'm not. When you look at the New Testament writings to the church, when Paul is writing to believers, he does not call them wretches. He does not call them sinners. He calls them saints. What's interesting, I was actually talking to one of the guys in the church just a few days ago, and he said, you think of you know, all of the churches in the New Testament, like which one was one of the worst ones? Does anybody know? Corinth, all right? They were not good. They were doing a lot of bad things. But whenever Paul is writing to Corinth, he said at the very beginning, you guys are saints, right? You are, you're righteous in Christ. And so it's important for us to recognize we are not the old man anymore. We have a new identity. And the call of Ephesians 4 is for us to put on this new identity, to live lives that are consistent with the change that Jesus has made. So when we talk about that, and you read verses like put off and put on, 
a lot of us as believers tend to lean into the temptation to simply stop doing bad things and start doing good things. Put off the bad and put on the good. And if I were honest, a lot of, a lot of preaching, especially from myself earlier in my, my preaching years, is, and many people that I've heard speak in regards to what the Scriptures teach about this, a lot of us reinforce that uh, lifestyle with our teaching. But when we fully understand this passage, Ephesians 4, and the message of the New Testament, we begin to understand that the Christian life is not about behavior modification. It is not behavior that sets us free. It is truth that sets us free. That's why one of the, one of the things that bugs me a little bit is when you talk to someone about their testimony and, and people use verbiage like, I gave my life to Christ. I understand what people are saying when they say they gave their life to Christ, uh, but I, I, I love it much better when we talk about the truth that set us free. The truth that set us free is that I didn't give Jesus anything. He gave me everything when he died on the cross, was buried, and rose again. I love it when people say, I believed the gospel. That's a lot different than I gave my life to Christ. So to understand truth, uh, it, it sets us free. Sandwiched between putting off the old man and putting on the new man is that little phrase uh, there in Ephesians 4 that tells us to renew our minds. When he tells us to renew our minds, what he's saying here is he's giving us the fact that it is truth that will set us free. To understand the truth behind why we need to put off and why we need to put on. I'm not a football coach, so I can't give you Super Bowl football illustrations, but I can give you basketball illustrations. And one of the things that, uh, that we do in basketball is, as a coach, you don't just say, put off and put on. You don't just say, all right, guys, here's what we're going to do. We're going to stop them from scoring baskets, and we're going to put on us scoring baskets. Let's go. Right? That is very simplified, and that is very true. Like, that's what our goal is, but that's not how you coach. As a matter of fact, another, another bad way of coaching is when you tell your players on the floor, like, okay, that team is running this kind of defense. That means you need to run there and you need to run there. What's more important than telling them what to do is to explain to them why they need to do it. The reason that you run from here to there is because the defense is going to do this or they're going to do that. And when you move here, this is what happens. And when a player begins to see the why behind the what, that's when magic really happens. Oh, no pun intended. I think Mark was wearing a Magic Johnson jersey earlier. But no pun intended there, but that's when you see things begin to open up because it is truth that sets us free. If you don't understand the why of something, you will not do that thing for very long, right? How many of you guys, when you were younger, your parents made you brush your teeth? Anybody, your parents made you brush your teeth, right? And, and as you got older, I mean, when you were younger, you didn't want to do it. And if your parents didn't tell you to do it, you probably weren't doing it. But when you got older and were introduced to the opposite sex, and realized they don't like it when your breath smells janky, right? Uh, you decided like, oh, that's one of the reasons why I brush my teeth. And oral care is also good, right? And so you got to make sure you have good, healthy teeth. But if you don't understand the why behind something, you won't do it for very long. The last eight verses of this chapter are going to list out five different things that need to be put off and things that need to be put on in the life of the believer. And the, the five things that are listed here um, 
we're going to see they're very they're common things, common sins that uh, many of us as believers struggle with. As a matter of fact, the five things that, that we see are very practical because we face them regularly, if not daily. Basically, what you see in these last eight verses is that whole, the verses 22 through 24, put off, renew your mind, and put on. You see that in action. One person said uh, that, that the last eight verses are kind of like after you've met with a spiritual fitness trainer. That's the first 24 verses. The last eight verses are him going, all right, here's the exercise plan, all right? This is the diet that you need to follow. These are the, the, the things that you need to do uh, with weight training and cardio and those kinds of things. In each one of these things in the last eight verses, we're going to see something that needs to be put off. We're going to see something that needs to be put on. And we're going to see a truth that renews our minds and helps us understand why it needs put off and why it needs to be put on. So, you guys ready for the first one? Ready or not, here it comes, right? I like it. Bring it. All right, let's look at the first one. It's found in Ephesians 4.25. It says this, wherefore, all right? So when you see the word there, wherefore, it's building off of what you just read, right? So he said, put off, put on, renew. And he's like, wherefore, here's your fitness plan. Put away lying. Speak, uh, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Pretty cut and dry, right? What's the first one? Quit your lying. Quit your lying, bro. Like, it's pretty simple. Like, when we, when we think about it, he's basically saying, look, just, just tell the truth. Listen, this is one of my pet peeves. You can, you can be mean to me. You can talk bad about my mama. She's not here, so I can say that. Um, but don't lie to me, right? How many of you guys, that's one of your peeves? Like, just tell me the truth, right? In this passage, he's like, we need to put away lying and speak truth with our neighbors. I mean, even when we were kids, what did you say? Liar, liar. And how many of you are genuinely disappointed when liar's pants don't catch on fire? Let's be honest, right? That would make life a lot easier if that would happen. I used to think that lying was just something that kids did to just avoid getting into trouble. But as you get older, you see that we as adults struggle with this too. What is lying? Lying is presenting a false impression. It means to be deceptive. Uh, it means to just simply not tell the truth uh, or to conceal or falsify something. I, I almost feel like, do we really have to define what lying is? Because we all know what it is. Uh, do we need to give illustrations? Not really, but we're going to anyway. Like, how, uh, how do people lie nowadays? We, we lie by simply saying something that's not true. Uh, sometimes if they're little, we call them little, little fibs or little white lies, right? If they're really big, then they're bold-faced lies, right? Sometimes we lie by just denying something. Someone says, hey, did you? And you know you didn't, but you say you did. Sometimes we lie by saying something that's only partially true. Sometimes we lie by exaggerating, hyperbole. Like, it was, it was, and it was not. <laughs> Sometimes we lie by just saying that we'll do something, and then we don't. Which leads me to another pet peeve. You guys ever tried to sell anything on Facebook Marketplace? I'll be there at 5 o'clock. And you rearrange your schedule to be there at 5 o'clock. No call, no show. Moving on. Um, <laughs> talking about different ways that we like. We don't even need to talk about taxes, right? We'll leave that one alone. Um, it's tempting for us when we, when we think about what lying is and how prevalent it is in our society. 
sometimes it's tempting to kind of treat lying like it's not a big deal. Well, lying's not as bad as, and we list other things. You know, because in the Bible, the Bible talks about things that are an abomination, right? And you think, I'll tell you things that are an abomination unto God. Well, let's just look and see what the Bible says is an abomination to God. Look what it says in Proverbs 12. Proverbs 12 says this, lying lips are what? abomination to the Lord but they that deal truly are his delight Proverbs 19 says a false witness shall not be unpunished and he that speaketh lies shall perish John 8 actually talks about where lying came from he says you are of your father the devil the lust of your father you will do he was a murderer from the beginning he abode not in the truth but there is no truth in him he speak when he speaketh a lie he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it the father of lies when you think about lying you know Long before David Letterman, God had a top 10 list, right? And on the top 10 list was to speak truth to your neighbor, right? Thou shalt not lie. Don't, don't bear false witness against your neighbor. There's a reason why God takes this issue so seriously. Just like there are reasons that God doesn't want you to murder someone, just as there are reasons why God doesn't want you to be bitter, He doesn't want you to commit adultery or to live in anger, lying is destructive lying is destructive i mean look at the verse again and i want you to be the bible student here we're going to let you enter into bible study with us here and i don't want to tell you the answer but let me just see if you can see what is destroyed when someone doesn't speak truth he says wherefore put away lying speak truth with his neighbor for we are members one of another what is destroyed according to this verse when we lie what is destructive about lying it destroys what relationships Lying is destructive because lying destroys relationships. We are members one of another. What we're seeing in this passage is he says, put off lying, put on truth, but, uh, excuse me, put on uh, uh, speaking truth, but let me give you the truth that sets you free. The reason that we would continue to put off lying and continue to speak truth is because there is a truth, and that is that we are members one of another. Uh, this is the renewing of our mind. It is the explanation of why we need to put these things off, and here it is. Lying destroys relationships and it undermines community we're members one of another and if you step back from that and look at this in the totality of the text of ephesians chapter 4 he's been speaking specifically about what community he's talking about the body of christ he's talking about the church it is destructive when lying takes place it destroys relationships and undermines community this is this is something that even the world around us understands uh, these are some, some quotes that I read about lying from uh, people that aren't necessarily spiritual sources. They said this, a lie can destroy a relationship in a second and it can take a lifetime to rebuild the trust. Just meditate on that for a second. A single lie discovered is enough to create doubt in every truth shared. Lying communicates to others I don't respect you, and I don't trust you. Some of us feel that a little bit, don't we? Because we have relationships where people struggle with this thing of telling the truth, and it has undermined the community that you have with one another. 
Look, speaking truth is not just the right thing to do. It is the healthy thing to do. I mean, ultimately, the things that God tells us to do and not do, they're for a reason. It's because it is what's best for our lives. It's what helps us to uh, fulfill the purpose for which we were created. Both logic and life experience teaches us that telling the truth may hurt, but telling a lie always hurts more in the long run. As one person said, a lie may take care of the present, but it has no future. These things are just as true for believers as they are for unbelievers. But there is a deeper layer of truth for believers that cannot be missed. As we've walked through Ephesians 4, we've discovered what it looks like to be made new. And you've heard this every week for like seven weeks in a row. Being made new takes place in what? community. We are not made new in isolation. We've seen it over and over again. Being made new takes place in community. We saw it in verses 2 and 3 where it talked about how we treat one another with kindness. We saw it in verses 4 through 6 where he talked about how we are all one body. We saw it in verses 7 through 12 where he talked about how God has uniquely made us so that we can minister to others and build up others. We saw it in verses 13 through 16 where he talked about the positive results that come when we are working in community and using our gifts to be a blessing to others. And then in Verses 17 through 24, he talked about this pattern that we should follow on a personal level by putting off, renewing, and putting on. And then he closes the chapter with these five practical ways to do this. And every one of them that we're going to see uh, have to do with others and the necessity of community. This is not only consistent with, or this is consistent through the rest, or throughout the rest of the New Testament, uh, because throughout the New Testament, what do you see? One another, one another, love one another, uh, pray for one another, edify one another, bear ye one another's burdens. It's all throughout the scriptures. And now, as Paul is telling us, this is what it looks like to be made new. He's saying it takes place within community. And what he's telling us is that we need community because it's within community that we are edified. It's the way we're built up. It's within community that we are ministered to. At our worship table event that we had for worship teams just, uh, I think, last week, uh, Mark uh, made this statement in one of his sessions. He said, we were not designed to follow Jesus alone. You see that time after time in this passage. You need them, and they need you. This has been well established. And now Paul is pointing out that the reason we should put away lying and speak truth is because when we do not, it undermines community and destroys the relationships that we need to follow Jesus. Deciding to tell the truth and to avoid lying is not just the moral or the right thing to do. For the believer, it shows the understanding of a deeper truth that when I lie, When I am not speaking truth and being truthful and truth-telling, I cut off one of the tools by which I am made new. If I refuse to speak the truth when I am confronted, or when I refuse to speak the truth when I'm not confronted, but I know it needs to be talked about, what I'm doing is I'm isolating myself from others. I'm pushing others away. But it's within community that I'm made new, so it's a difficult thing for us to to, to continue in that lifestyle and see Jesus continue to work in our hearts and our lives. You see, when I speak truth, even when it hurts, I am allowing that person to know me and to help me. I don't know if you remember, maybe you were here or not, uh, last year when we went through a series called The Gospel on Repeat. 
And we were talking about how we need to hear the gospel over and over again. We need to repeat it, not just to the lost people around us, but we need to be repeating it uh, to ourselves. And we talked about how the gospel meets our most basic needs. I don't know if you remember what those most basic needs are, but you can see them when a child is born. A child is born, they come into the world, and they're looking for someone that's looking for them, right? They have a desire to be seen. Not only that, but a child has a desire to be soothed. They just want, when a child is picked up after they're crying, they begin to just be calm, right? A child needs to be seen, a child needs to be soothed, and a child needs to feel security. They need someone to watch after them. And another way of putting that is that we have this innate need inside of us, this desire to be loved, to be known, and to be accepted. When I am faced with the decision to speak the truth or to lie, I need to be reminded, right? I, my, my, I need to renew my mind. That's the thing that helps us set, be set free, right? I need to renew my mind that the gospel already declares that God knows me and I am already loved and I am already accepted whether or not that person loves or accepts me at all. You see, when I share difficult truth with other believers, I have the opportunity to see this truth in a tangible way. Because it's one thing for me to be able to have a, a situation that, that I'm wrestling through and I, and I know is wrong or I know that, that, that I should be avoiding and I know I need help in, it's one, for me to think, one thing for me to say, you know what, I, ha I am in a position to where I know I shouldn't be, but God still loves me, God still accepts me, and he's going to help me through this. But oftentimes that's kind of intangible because you can't see, feel, or touch God sometimes. But he has put us in a community of believers where each of us that have believed the gospel have the, the Holy Spirit of God dwelling inside of us. And when I go to another believer and I am willing to speak truth with them about who I am, I'm willing to be vulnerable with them about who I am, what happens is I am able to see God personified through the life of another believer as they know me and they accept me as I am. If there is no one that truly knows you, I can make an educated guess about the depth of the love that you feel. The beauty of the gospel is that God knows us and he still loves us. And the beauty of the body of Christ, the church, is that they know you and they still love you. And if you have not experienced that, then I would guarantee that you are probably struggling with that, 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 that whole idea of being loved for who you are. And if you have not experienced that on behalf of the body of Christ, I want to apologize because I want you to know that this is a safe place. This is a place where it's okay to not be okay. And if you are to open up and speak truth about where you are with someone so that you can get the help that you desperately need from those that are designed to edify and to minister to you, if you're missing out on that, I want to tell you that this is a safe place for you and if you speak up and someone instead of loving and accepting you for where you are if you speak up and they 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 ridicule you and they mock you or they make fun of you or they separate from you that is not a problem with you that is a problem with them it's important for us to recognize how how how, how, how important it is for us to speak truth with one another let me ask you how many people are there that know everything about you? How many people are there that know everything about you? The answer to that question reveals a lot about whether or not your most basic need to feel loved and accepted is really being fulfilled. 
Because you cannot be fully loved unless you're fully known. The reason we lie is because there's something inside of us that says, if they know the truth about me, they won't still love me. If they know the truth about what I did, then they won't accept me. But what we're missing out here is we have to understand this truth that we lie in an attempt to secure what only truth can provide. Stop and think about that for a second. The reason we lie is because we don't, we don't want people to know the truth about us because they won't love and accept us if we do. So I don't tell them the truth. So how am I experiencing love and acceptance? Because they don't know the real me. So how could they love me if they don't know the real me? You see, we do with a lie what, what we we're hoping that only truth can do. You see, what the opposite is, is following God's way, we realize if I just speak truth to them and they know me fully and they still accept me, they still love me, that's real love. That's real acceptance. That's what the gospel is. I mean, you look at Romans 5.8. In that, the Bible says, Romans 5.8, that while we were yet sinners, God knows everything about us, right? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's love. And we can experience that kind of love in a tangible way. You see, it is through honest, transparent vulnerability that God does his best work. Now, don't get me wrong. We confess to God for forgiveness, but we confess to others for healing. That's why the book of James talks about confessing your faults one to another and praying for one another that ye may be healed. See, there's, there's a value in that. You, just as we cannot be saved until we admit that we need to be saved, Someone that says, well, I'm not a sinner. I've, I, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty good person. I've never sinned. Well, you're not going to be able to believe the gospel because you don't need the gospel if, you don't, if you've never sinned. But when I recognize that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, then I can admit that to God. I come to God in, in transparent vulnerability. Lord, I have failed you. And as I admit that, now God can save me as I tell him that I put my trust and my faith in the gospel, believing that he died for me, was buried, and rose again. Just as I cannot be saved until I admit that I need saved, I cannot be made new until I admit that I need to be made new. As I said earlier, verse 25 is kind of like that exercise plan. It's the way, what we see is the way to overcome lying is to speak truth by understanding this. I need to be known so that I can be helped. I need to be known so that I can be helped. He says to put away lying, and to speak truth. And so the practical way of doing this is to speak truth by practicing confession. When you have failed, it's this idea of just confessing, first of all, to God. And, and let me just be very clear about this, that whenever you confess to God, if you have believed the gospel, when you confess to God, you don't confess to him so that you can be forgiven. You confess to him because you are forgiven. And you confess, Lord, I have failed you. And you don't have to beg God for forgiveness. Lord, I've failed you. Will you forgive me? Will you forgive me? He already forgave you. If you believe the gospel, right? All of that, those sins have been washed away by the blood of Jesus. When he saved you, you were saved from your past sin, your present sin, and your future sin. The reason we go to God to confess our sins is we confess them to him and say lord you were right i was wrong i'm going to repent and turn from that thing so we start by practicing confession with god but in ephesians 4 he's not talking about confessing to god who's he talking about confessing to one another i i, I don't I, I i put away lying and i speak truth with one another 
So that means every time I lie, every time I exaggerate, every time I'm deceptive, I make it right. Now, of course, the better thing to do is just tell the truth from the very beginning, right? And not mess around with all that nonsense. But when I do fail, then I speak truth with one another. I go to others and say, hey, you know the other day when I told you I was late because of the traffic? Well, the traffic was the drive-through at Starbucks, <laughs> right? Like, like I, was, I was deceptive, right? I didn't speak the truth. Um, we, we get into this, hey, you know, when I said that, you know, I, when I was a teenager, I ate three triple cheeseburgers at McDonald's and set the record, world record, whatever. You know, what I really did was, you get in this habit of just going back and making things right with one another. Now, what we think is, our flesh thinks, well, if I tell them that, then they're going to think this about it. They're going to think I'm a liar. They're going to think I'm always deceptive. Listen, has anyone ever came to you and made something right with you? Has anyone ever come to you and said, hey, when I did this, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Did that make you love them more or make you love them less? Makes you love them more because, because they're being honest. They're being transparent. They're being vulnerable. It's the opposite of what our flesh wants. Our flesh wants just to say, oh, it's just a little lie. It's not a big deal. But God says, no, speak truth with one another. And as you do that, then you're going to be able to continue to experience this community that he's been emphasizing all throughout Ephesians chapter 4. What would it look like for you to truly believe that you are a member of this body and that as a member, you need to speak truth by practicing confession? One of the phrases that uh, Bill Allison would use, he's a guy that's been a real blessing to me. He's preached here a couple times, but Bill always talks about asking God who you should pull close. Who is it that God has put on your heart that you can kind of pull close and be transparent. Look, I'm not saying we need to walk around the room and be like, hey, how are you guys doing today? I'm terrible. Let me tell you what I've been up to. <laughs> you know, and like you got to announce it to everyone in the room. I don't believe it's like that. You know, I think Jesus kind of set an example of what it looks like to be in community. He had all kinds of, of, of followers, but he had 12 disciples, and then he had three that were kind of in that inner group, right? And I think that we can be friends with everybody, but then we can have a, a smaller, maybe a, a life group or a small group of people, and then a, an even, even tighter group that you can just be real with them. You say, well, I'm not, I don't have that. Well, who's God putting on your heart to pull close that you can have that transparent vulnerability with? I like that this truth is two-sided. I, I think this truth is two-sided in that when we are confronted about whether or not, uh, when we're confronted about something that we can lie about, he's saying, look, speak truth. But I think there's another layer to it where we can recognize when we are not confronted, we can still speak truth. Think of the people in your life that are chronic liars. Anybody have, just by show of hands, please that hand go up and not pointing, all right? But um, how many of you guys can think of someone in your life that is a chronic liar? I'd say just about every one of them. I'm thinking of people right now, their names and their faces. And if you want to know who they are, I'll tell you after the service, all right? But... Think of that person. How would you describe their relationships with others around them? Would you say that their relationships are strong, healthy, life-giving, spiritual? Or would you say that they are isolated and lonely? 
I don't know how you would answer that question, but just from my own statistics, I would say they're isolated and lonely. It's ironic, though, because they think that the lies they tell will draw people in. I'm going to impress them by exaggerating. I'm going to impress them by telling them everything good that I've ever done, and I'm going to make it even greater than what it really is. They think it's going to impress people and draw them in, but it does the exact opposite. They lie because they're seeking affirmation, but the truth is that what they feel is being affirmed isn't real in the first place. The great theologian Kurt Cobain said, he's not a theologian, all right? But I, I use this quote from Kurt Cobain because this is a secular man. This secular man said this, I'd rather be hated for who I am than loved for who I'm not. There's a lot of truth to that. But what Kurt Cobain didn't know is what we've studied in Ephesians 4. What he missed is that as a Christian, we are part of a body. And if we are a part of a healthy body of believers, we are loved for who we are. We can speak truth to one another. On the other side is those of us that haven't been asked and we haven't had to make a choice between lying and speaking truth, but today there's been a realization that we are a part of a body and I need to be known so that I can be helped. What that looks like is as God puts a person or maybe a few people on your heart that you pull close, you have this intentional relationship with them where you can go to them and say phrases like this, I've really been struggling with and you fill in the blank. Just being real, just being open, just being honest and vulnerable. If I refuse to pull anyone close and be vulnerable, then I end up in a similar position as a bold-faced liar. I think being quiet about it will somehow help me to maintain healthy relationships, but it actually does the opposite because deep down I am aware that they can't truly love me because they don't truly know me. Last week when we talked about worldliness, and the things that need to be put off and put on. If I were to have told you last week, we're going to see five things that need to be put off and put on in the life of the believer, you might think that they are these gross, heinous, worst sins in the world. But we start with one of the most basic that so many people, both young and old, struggle with, and that is this thing of speaking the truth. May God help us to put off and put on, put off lying, Put on truth because we understand that it is so important to be able to grow in community by doing these things. Let's pray together. Thanks again for listening today. Grace Baptist Church exists to help people worship God, connect to others, and serve both. If there's anything at all we can do for you, please reach out to us. You can reach us on Facebook as well as online at experiencegrace.church. Hope you have a great day.